everyone. Um, once again, uh, no Kevin, so no music today, but um, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Uh, note that we are recording the uh, presentation today and it'll get posted on all of our various different media outlets, uh, Spotify and iTunes and uh, YouTube and the like. So um, do help uh, remind, especially new hires, to tune into this and uh, and Captain Upgrades. Um, we've been kind of, um, oh, let's say, pretty darn busy for the last three, four months. Uh, Tuesdays at two hasn't been super consistent and happening every Tuesday. Um, but we're going to try and make an effort uh, moving forward here uh, that we do uh, get together every Tuesday, at least uh, make ourselves available at the very least just for some Q&A, um, because there is just a, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, it helps to have um, just a standing meeting where uh, we can present some of the things that are uh, going on with the MEC and uh, side letters that are work that we're working on and uh, little contract improvements, that kind of stuff, right? So uh, important to get that news out to you guys and make sure that we have uh, a good back and forth um, uh, forum for that, right? So once again, uh, recorded today. So uh, do know that this stuff's presented uh, publicly, right? Um, what we're going to cover today is this training settlement for two different grievances, 22558 and 23. 563 and what these have to do with um they touch on a couple of different training things but it's mostly centered on uh procedures training and sim partners and how they bid their lines what happens when there's um uh, a student has difficulty progressing uh, right so we develop these ideas of training lines and recovery lines and then also have uh, OE in a prioritized scheduling. Um, it also clarifies the monthly bidding of simulators and uh, procedures trainers, right? So what was happening uh, in a, a very broad sense is that scheduling was not uh, allowing people to bid for schedules. So the people who were going through training, either new hires or upgrades, didn't have the ability to know whether they had days off. They weren't being uh, notified properly in any kind of um, uh let's say recognizable in clear fashion. Uh, some of that was all being done via text and, uh, you know, kind of private email and stuff like that. So there wasn't records of the assignments. Uh, and additionally, um, there were some uh, changes that were made, right, uh, to the scheduling timelines, right? So, Who's affected? Captain upgrades and new hires uh, while they're in qualification training. Uh, it establishes uh, procedures for uh, simulator training and OE, and it really affects the trainee side only, right? So while this does touch uh, on how uh, training pilots are offered recovery lines as well as uh, what happens to a line that's vacated because of a, a separation of uh, a paired crew. Um, uh, it clarifies that uh, that new line that that person's supposed to move on to is uh, posted in uncovered training events as an earnings opportunity for uh, training pilots and non-scenario list instructors to pick up through uncovered training events, right? 
Um, note that CQ training was not part of the scope of these settlements, um, and it really is focused more on the trainee than uh, the training pilots, which was a, a separate settlement. Um, so uh, kind of the circumstances that led up to this, right, uh, we were uh, struggling to get training throughput to occur, right? There were some changes that were made to training kind of in the October, November timeframe of, of 21. And those led to some training backups. This was an attempt to, uh, the next thing was the company brought in this um, Gold Rat Consulting uh, to try and uh, figure out how to increase the throughput. Um, it was an attempt to, you know, decrease that training backlog that we saw some time ago, about a year ago, right? Uh, what ended up happening is the company unilaterally implemented uh, some scheduling rules around um, PT simulator training and OE that uh, didn't follow the contract. Uh, they believe that this uh, prioritized uh, first, yeah, first in, first out kind of methodology uh, is in line with Goldratt's theory of constraints, okay? So the theory of constraints in a very broad sense is that um, the uh, whatever is your biggest constraints where you focus all of your energy and time and, and effort, and uh, that is supposed to alleviate the backlog and allow uh, for increased training throughput, right? Um, what we saw, though, was uh, increased wait times, sometimes uh, very, very long uh, waits between sims, you have like one lesson and then six weeks off and another lesson, right? So uh, that's not a good way to uh, to learn, right? Uh, you have to kind of refresh every time you, get, you wait that long. Uh, OE backlogs were many, many months, right? And uh, the notification was uh, inconsistent. So what this letter does is it establishes uh, paired crews, okay? So the practice of um, pairing two people together based on their likelihood to succeed together or have the same or similar training problems due to uh, experience and skill set, right? So the idea is uh, pair two 135 guys together because their background is similar. They're going to have both benefit from the same types of conversations, uh, say Embraer 170 guys together or um, CRJ guys together maybe, right? So um, the idea is uh, people are paired together based on seniority and experience, and um, this is supposed to help with student outcomes because you pair people together who can succeed together, right? Uh, this settlement uh, codifies that there's association input on those pairings and that the goal is to maintain quality and continuity of training. Um, so that's how and why people get paired together. And essentially what it does um, is it makes paired crews uh, prior to the procedures training uh, cycle for new hires or on the first day of ground school for upgrades. And then you'll move through as a paired crew through training to bid online. So for PT and simulators, there's going to be training lines that you bid on. And those lines are going to include training and days off, and they're awarded in seniority order by paired crew. So what this means is uh, two people are paired together. Uh, the most senior uh, is going to bid, and the junior pilot uh, who was paired together in that pairing or paired crew uh, is then going to be awarded the same training line as the senior pilot, okay? Uh, so you, then you move through training together. 
this also establishes assured days off while you're in simulator training. So prior to the start of sim training, um, uh, you're going to be able to uh, designate as a paired crew three days off. Uh, so you have, you know, a, an important medical appointment, something like that. The two people in the paired crew can work together to try and find the days off that work uh, for assured days off. And the idea is that you're not going to be scheduled no matter what uh, while you're in simulator training on those specific days off, right? So you got your wedding, you need two, three days off, that might be the way to do that, right? So um, both uh, pilots in the pairing uh, may waive an assured day off, right? Uh, you, if you're in a pairing and you look contextually at you know, your progress together as a crew um, and, you know, the simulator breaks and they're trying to reschedule you and both of you decide, yeah, you know what, I'd rather um, uh, train on that assured day off because I'm ready to go for this check ride and I don't want to be fro uh, kind of, you know, freeze the kicker kind of scenario, right? Uh, so if you both agree, you can waive uh, the assured day off. But uh, this is a pretty big win for the pilot group. I think it's uh, not something that most... Uh, most training departments uh, or contracts allow for, and uh, it's a good way to treat people who are in training uh, because you know you're going to have a specific day off, right? You're not going to be uh, worked on, uh, say, the 14th of July because you need that day off. So awesome. Um, paired crews and notification of PT schedules. Okay, so no later than August 31st, so at the end of this month, uh, the company must establish OMS training line notification functions, right? So uh, something in eCrew that um, is used to notify uh, people while they're in training, okay? So uh, it needs to be published prior to the start of PT, and um, your schedule is supposed to go into eCrew. So if you're in training, you have a way to reference and know what you're actually assigned to. Um, and there's a record of uh, reassignments as well that way, right? So, um, all right. So from your paired crew, uh, there's also now contractual provisions to separate, right? So um, if the paired crew is not working well together, there's some static, right? Uh, and um, this way the pilots can desire to be separated and uh, when that request is made uh, and this really is about looking out for number one right if uh, if you're going to benefit from having a um, line qualified seat support um, in, in the other seat so that you get a little more training time in your seat uh, you can request to be separated right and that request will be honored it's um, uh, you make that direct uh, directly to the director of training, likely with the uh, the help of the ALPA training committee, and uh, that request must be honored. So that's great. Um, so once you're separated, right, uh, we now have established this idea of recovery lines in training. So you bid for a line. If you're moved off of that line uh, for a, um, well, let's say, fail to progress through uh, training on the bid line, right? And you need to get moved uh, and separated and then uh, progress. Uh, there's going to actually build you a recovery line. So again, you're going to still know your days off just like you did when you uh, bid, 
right, in a, as a paired crew. So the senior pilot will remain on the awarded training line, and the junior pilot will move to the recovery line. Um, and uh, note that uh, two crews can, you know, request to be repaired. So uh, just say, you know, personality-wise, uh, these two guys work great together, and these two guys work great together, but they're not together right now, but they talk to each other and they want to trade, they can do that. It's great. Um, so this is, uh, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, right? The recovery line and uncovered, uh, events. So unawarded PT slots and days off, um, need to be, uh, posted, um, and there's no blank days. So this establishes that there's, you're not going to have a, uh, simulator and an instructor basically on reserve waiting to be scheduled uh, that the that type of work is going to be uh, bid through uncovered training events right so a sequence of simulators with a student um, and specific training that needs to be conducted will be posted in uncovered training events uh, for um, an added work opportunity right so um, when that training line uh, is going to be needed, right? It's going to get developed uh, for the student who's going to move on to that line, goes into uncovered training events for a training pilot to pick up. So recovery line and uncovered events awarded specific training activities which are canceled, incomplete, repeated, or require additional training may shift to the next scheduled training period or scheduled on all but assured days off, right? So this is uh, the scenario where you have, let's say, three or four days of training in a row, um, followed by uh, just a regular day off, right? So um, you don't progress through the first uh, three days, uh, and then you had a day off. Uh, you can be rescheduled on that next day off in that sequence without necessarily moving on to a recovery line, right? This is, uh, I need an additional sim, right? And that gets posted and uncovered training events again as well. Um, so kind of two different models, right? One, you just need an extra sim that goes on to an uncovered, uh, onto a day off, gets bid out through uncovered training events. The other scenario is you get moved on to a sequence, uh, like a line to recover, right? So um, stand by, find the uh, unmuted line there. So when students move to recovery line, the student will remain on that line unless they can rejoin the originally awarded line, right? The whole goal here is to uh, provide for, uh, you know, continuity of training so you know what the training sequence is going to be. You're going to get three or four training events in a row, and then uh, you're going to know what your days off are when you move into that recovery line uh, and minimize disruption to the days off as much as possible. So uh, this establishes uh, that when the original line that you were awarded, the original training line becomes uncovered, that can then get posted in uncovered training events uh, as a work opportunity. So um, basically what the company was looking for there is the ability to uh, keep a sequence of work together uh, and then put it into uncovered training events so they can realize that continuous productivity. Um, so TRBs and paired crews, um, what this does is uh, clarifies that two students who have um, been the subject of a training review board, right? So um, uh, 
both would be uh, struggling in some way and on some sort of training prescription to uh, find a path back to success, that those two uh, students won't be paired together um, because there you have two people who are struggling and that makes it difficult for uh, for people to get through the training sequence. So um, I think that's a pretty good win for the pilot group and it makes sense, right? Uh, PT and sim recovery and notification. Uh, so, uh, bringing some clarity to when you need to be notified and how uh, how long the leash is that you're on while you're in training, right? So, during PT and sim, the notification needs to be 48 hours prior to the training activity, right? Um, and then the pilot needs to respond within 12 hours. So, this is just during the PT and sim. Uh, recovery lines, okay? So uh, when you get moved off of your originally uh, scheduled line that you bid on and you get into a recovery line, that notification needs to be um, 48 hours, okay? And you have 12 hours to respond. Notice the difference here on OE notification is five days prior to the training activity. Uh, so what's happening here is uh, scheduling is, uh, training scheduling is supposed to be looking ahead five days uh, to see when the next OE event is going to occur, right? And it's going to uh, now prioritize uh, stages to OE, um, again, following this notion of the first in, first out. So uh, note that the notification times are different, right? So PT and SIM, you get into the recovery line, 48 hours is what your, what your leash is, right? You got to respond within 12 hours. And then OE five days and you have 24 hours to respond. Um, I know this hasn't been uh, brought down to the training scheduling people. And uh, it's really important that the whole pilot group as a whole gain some knowledge to help the guys who are coming through training understand what their what their rights are here, right? So uh, OE scheduling, OE is scheduled on a five-day rolling planning window and a daily planning cycle and initially scheduled to approximately 25 hours. So what this is, is the, the OE training schedulers should be looking out five days. Every, every day they look ahead five days and they schedule the OE that needs to be scheduled uh, for the students who um, are in these various different priorities. Okay, so... Um, Priority three is kind of where you start out now with OE scheduling, and it's after you finished your LOE, uh, you, you haven't started OE at all, right? And based on your completion date of your LOE, uh, you kind of go into this holding pattern, which is priority three, okay? So uh, the people who have already been assigned OE are going to get in priority one, priority two, uh, and priority three, you just come out of LOE and then you wait, right? The whole idea here is they're going to wait until they have capacity to actually move you through the LOE uh, pipeline and they don't put you into the pipeline, uh, make it uh, busier um, uh, in the OE pipeline uh, until they know that they have the capacity to move you through, right? So uh, priority one and priority two is where you kind of go next, right? So um, where the flying goes, right, is really to priority one. Uh, and then priority two is kind of in limbo in the middle, right? So uh, on this five-day rolling window, the training scheduler should be looking at who's in priority one, which is, um, you know, uh, they want to they do an OE trip. They should be looking at priority one and completed 
uh, 25-hour assessment already. So the whole idea is you've been initially scheduled to 25 hours, you've completed 25 hours of flying, uh, you're the closest to getting out based on that, and you're put in this bucket. And as uh, training scheduling is looking out five days, they're looking at who's in priority one, making sure that they get the available OE trips uh, first, and then uh, the priority two folks are the people who have started OE, but they haven't flown the 25 hours yet. Right? They sit in the middle uh, after uh, priority one, and then we get back into priority three, right? Uh, they then look at people who haven't started yet and go, oh, yeah, you're the first one. I have some OE trips remaining, so you're going to fly next, right? So these are um, prioritized uh, rules for OE scheduling that the company desired. We saw um, some value in this because it should assure that uh, once you've started OE that you're going to move through OE efficiently and that we don't create backlogs that would, uh, uh, we just simply can't overcome, right? So uh, another question we dealt with is how and when uh, someone who is in the OE stage of training, uh, when are they going to bid? Okay, so when are they uh, bid eligible? And um, note that these dates are the 14th and the 15th of the month um, when the bid timelines uh, change for PBS, likely these will have to move a little bit, but they conform to the world that we're in now with line bid, right? So uh, by the 14th of the month, uh, the director of training is going to do this assessment of um, where people are at in their OE scheduling. So greater than 25 hours of OE completed or scheduled, uh, they're going to be designated as a bidding pilot, okay? So they're going to get published in the bid pack uh, and bid for the next month. Uh, whether they are done with OE or not, okay? So then less than uh, 25 hours and greater than 17 hours uh, of OE, uh, they're going to designate as maybe bid. Right? This is kind of more internal training department function uh, as to how they want to tier these people, right? And then uh, less than 17 hours of OE completed or scheduled, they're going to be designated as a non-bidder. Where it becomes important to the pilot group is on the 15th, where the training department has made those uh, uh, designations based on the rubric on the previous slide. They're going to notify crew planning of who is bidding and who isn't bidding, right? Uh, so it doesn't become unclear who is a bidder and isn't a bidder. Uh, there's a line in the sand that says well, on the 15th, we've decided who's going to be in the bid pack and not. Now, uh, just a quick review, right? Uh, notification of a, a pilot in training, 48 hours, 12 hours to respond if you're in PT and SIM, five days, 24 hours to respond if you're in the OE phase of training. Um, notification needs to be uh, via phone uh, for a live conversation on a recorded line or confirms an OMS notification. These are standard notification rules for Sun Country, um, basically takes the Section 25 uh, recorded line and notification uh, bar uh, and says, hey, this applies over here in, in training as well. And what we're looking to do here is have a real record of when you were assigned so that uh, notification isn't occurring via text or calls from a personal cell phone. Uh, right? What's going to happen there is um, 
and eventually someone's going to get tagged for some training, end up not in the right place and in some kind of disciplinary scenario. This makes it clear that there was a, a, a record from a recorded line uh, and that um, uh, any kind of notification, there's a, a clear record of who was supposed to be where and when, right? Uh, so, all right, that's the end of the slide deck um, on uh, issues from that grievance settlement. Uh, no, next Tuesday, we're going to try and cover uh, PBS and Vacation with Tim, um, which is a, a good topic to know about because there are some changes with PBS coming with uh, implementation of PBS. Um, to what degree we can keep the Q&A somewhat focused on these settlements uh, for trainees, uh, it would be appreciated, but certainly if you have other questions, we're here, so uh, so I ask. Um, to what degree we can use the raise hand function right there uh, is great. And just a reminder, it is recorded line, right? So uh, expect uh, chief pilots and the like are all on here as well. Uh, Brian, as you get your hand up and uh, you have the floor. Yeah, question, and this maybe should have been obvious, but regarding the uh, you know the 14th and the assessment of when the person is ready and then hours, this is a replacement, I take it, for the expected to be done within or three days or more before the end of the month with regard to bidding the ensuing month? Correct. Yep, that's right. Okay, so straight um, up replacement. Okay. Yep, and it makes it clear who that is that's going to bid and why they're going to bid. Um, for us, uh, I guess, we kind of looked at the situation and went, you know what, we don't really have um, a good determiner of as to who's going to be uh, bidding that early in the month, right? So this will get more people uh, a bid line while they're in training. And if they don't complete, it's going to dump into open time. So we kind of went, well, that, that probably is better off for the the pilot group as a whole, better for the guy who's in training and better for uh, the earnings opportunities for the guys who are bidding. Okay. That's all I got. Yep. Uh, Scott, go ahead. You have the floor. Um, just kind of overall question. Do you feel like these settlements are going to fix the throughput issue or contribute to solving some of that? Um, and if so, how? And if not, if there's anything the union's doing to try and help with the throughput issue. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so... What was the you know the main thrust of the problem, the grievances that were being uh, resolved here, right? Was um, really more focused on the bidding of a PT line and uh, the bidding of a SIM line, right? And OE, we wanted clarity on OE, but the grievances uh, were really focused on: Do you get to exercise your seniority to? Um, uh, have a you know days off that are known while you're in training, which we believed that we did have that right, and that there was past practice on bidding. The rest of this was the company basically coming to us and saying we'd like to operate in these other ways because we think it's going to be more efficient to get people through. We looked at it and agreed that these would make it. Um, easier for people to make it through training. There was clarity that the training schedulers could follow uh, in order to know how to schedule people and then schedule to those rules. Both parties came together, said, yep, this is going to be the fast, efficient way to get people through. Um, and the reason we're kind of here today is because 
the settlement hasn't been implemented and the training backlogs are continuing to grow. And we feel that they need to implement the letter because it is the uh, the way that the two parties came together and said, hey, this is the fastest way through training, right? So uh, just to be really clear about uh, answering your question, it we do think this is the fastest way through training. And uh, by putting some you know walls around what had become kind of the Wild West, uh, the idea is that you're supposed to make it through faster, right? Get you to a bidding position, which everyone else's schedules get better because there's more bidders. And uh, as a result, um, you're going to know what your training kind of pipeline looks like as well, right? And uh, without implementing, because it seems that very little of this has actually made it to the training schedulers and is being done uh, as it was agreed to, um, the training backlog does seem to be growing. I'm just anecdotally hearing that it is getting longer. Um, and without a clear path to recovery, uh, which is to say having, you know, three or four training events to move into a recovery line, uh, there just isn't, um, let's say, the additional resources that are necessary in order to get people through the training pipeline quickly. And yeah, they need to they need to implement these rules because it will help them uh, get people through, increase training throughput, get more people through training, and uh, kind of stop the waste. Right. That sounds uh, very successful and promising. Uh, and in your words, that almost sounds like an interest based bargaining success. Would you say that as well? Um, in the sense that it took getting to an arbitration to do the interest-based <laughs> bargaining, no, right? I mean, the, the the arbitrations are a sign of a toxic um, labor relationship, right? Um, the fact that the arbitrations are being used to obscure interest-based bargaining um, from, well, let's say, people who whose approach is purely positional. Um, uh, no, it's not healthy, right? Uh, it'd be better if the, the two parties were really coming together um, outside of an arbitrated setting and actively working on their problems and had a relationship that was good enough to work through problems without an arbitrator or the cover of an arbitrator. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I, yeah, I forgot that this was an arbitrated settlement. Anyway, appreciate the uh, answer. That's all I got. Yeah. You know, it, inside of the arbitrated context, I mean, we never we never really talked to the arbitrator other than to kind of open ceremonially, ceremonially the arbitration. Um, the rest of the work was the two parties expressing their interests and uh, moving closer together in order to create value. So, I mean, that is interest-based bargaining, right? But it shouldn't um, it shouldn't take an arbitration to get there. Anyways, um, yeah, you know, this topic um, probably doesn't touch on well a lot of a lot of the people on this call, right? Because uh, generally the new hires aren't tuned in to the messaging enough, uh, early enough uh, to get this sort of news, right? And we're really not putting many people through upgrade. Um, but having everyone on this call understand what this settlement is, 
and kind of help mentor the junior guys as they're coming through. Because the way that the problems are presenting that we're hearing about um, is guys hitting the line or getting to their OE uh, check airmen and saying, hey, this isn't happening. Am I supposed to be scheduled this way? Uh, and then the the check airmen's helping them uh, reach out to, to Doug or reach out to us and making sure that, uh, that we know that there's contract issues going on here. Um, all right, so uh, uh, William Welsh, you got your hands up. Uh, go ahead and uh, you have the floor. Uh, you're unmuted, but I'm not hearing you. Still nothing there. All right. Um, yeah, you're muted again. All right. Anyone else? Uh, questions, comments, uh, anything you want a little bit more clarity on? Um, uh, and and feel free to try to type in the chat. I'm I'm watching the chat as well. So uh, Scott, yeah, if you uh, if you want the floor. Uh, uh, Sorry. Yeah. yeah um, I figured since there's no one here, um, I did kind of want to ask a question just in general about sim availability. Um, I heard that the Vegas sim complex did have some availability for their 7.3 NG sim. Um, that was kind of an anecdotal statement I heard. Was uh, that being considered for uh, training purposes with us again? Or do you have any insight on uh, simulators outside of Egan? Um, the last that I've heard uh, was that they had not contracted to get that sim time uh, early enough. Um, and then they thought that the new simulators would be more online, right? Maybe than, uh, than they are. And that they were going to have that throughput through Minneapolis. And I think they're still kind of focused on getting uh, the training through in Minneapolis. Um, as far as I know now, um, they've kind of gone dark on us since, you know, uh, the FAA's kind of started poking around, at least good dark in, in the training department. And, um, you know, we're having a little bit of luck with, with Doug and uh, the training committee getting through and um, actually um, getting news out of the training department right now. But uh, it's it's kind of black hole they don't respond much right now and i think okay thank you yeah probably in the context of the faa poking around they're less keen to being open and transparent right and it's kind of the unfortunately in aviation that's the wrong reaction uh and i know that there's you know some back channeling going on to get uh just a better relationship Right, better partnership between ALPA and um, uh, training department staff. So, uh, you know, ongoing, right? Try to fix it. Sweet. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyone else? Questions, comments? Uh, anyone want a little more clarity on, on this settlement, um, training scheduling in general? Hey, Eric, it's well. I don't know if you covered or not. Uh, Arnell's got a question in the chat about what to do if you sort of get assigned a trip inside of that five-day window. Do you have a good answer for that, Will? 
Um, I think the best answer is probably fly it and file an issue form. Um, I would let them know that they need to schedule you five days out um, and they may change it or they may not. But if they insist, I think really at that point we're going to file on uh, file an issue forms and, and we'll file a grievance on it. Yeah, I I don't know that there's a way to preference OE flying inside of that five days. Um, and mostly because they they have this prioritized system, right, uh, in order to try and have some kind of stability to the throughput. And if um, someone who is, let's say, junior than the first person or even senior to the first person into the training uh, pipeline into that prioritized system wants to jump the five day window, uh, then they're not going to have the productivity available they think they're supposed to have uh, designated for the person who's moving along ahead of that other person, right? So um, I don't think there is a way uh, contractually to preference or jump the line. I think what they're saying is they need they need people in that sequenced line because the size of the pipe is only so big. And if someone jumps that line, it's going to put all the other dominoes off, uh, off track. Right. So, um, anyways, uh, with that, uh, any follow up on that in the chat? Uh, no, I, well, I think the question is more not, I mean, yeah, certainly preferencing. Yeah. There is no, I don't think there's any contractual way to do that um, or to waive the five day, um, requirement. I think the question is what happens when they call you and trying to send you something inside of five days, right? How do you, you know, do you accept oh, that? Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, guys, this is O'Gara. Can I add something to that? Yep, go ahead. Um, so, the, so along with that, they're usually calling these guys from a cell phone or a uh, or text messaging them in some way. They don't have a recorded system, a system that records these conversations. So it's important that when you're contacted for training scheduling, you need to file an issue form saying that you were contacted from a from a from an unrecorded line, basically, along yeah. with that. And the other uh, the other right. the other piece with that is, to be honest with you, I think it's crisis management in in that department. Unfortunately. So they're just, it's a reactive situation, right? So that there is no, no way out of the five day rolling window. They're just reacting and trying to get call guys and assign them based on the latitude of the individual, right? Yeah, that's kind of the wild west of what has been happening and truly um, it needs to stop um, because I mean, the, the timelines and the notification timelines as well as the prioritized system is what's going to get them out of the troubles that they're in. It is literally how they asked us to get out of the troubles that they're in is to follow that. And along with that, uh, they're committed to using recorded lines through through scheduling to do the notification so it is on a recorded line training scheduling shouldn't be contacting anyone at all via a cell phone or text that shouldn't exist and um it really should be coming right now anyways through crew scheduling who is calling and notifying of training so they're they're simply they've done nothing to 
implement this settlement, which is in a sense, in essence, what they've asked for in order to be efficient, right? So it's it's a bit perplexing why they wouldn't have implemented because it literally is what they're asking for. It's how they they asked for kind of all of these walls, right? The prioritized scheduling and the cutoffs for for bidding and uh, you know the. 25 hours right out of the gate for OE, um, as well as how people recovered for PT and Sims. All of those are company ideas, which we said, yep, that sounds like it's going to work and better to follow some rubric and plan so that we can stabilize rather than, you know, uh, darts in the dark with a blindfold, right? Um, so it's a plan, right? Yay, a plan. Uh, we just have to implement the plan and see if the plan works, but they've not implemented their own plan. Yeah. All right. Um, anyone else? Questions, comments? Yeah, Doug, go ahead. You're still. Hey, um, yeah, sorry. I was a little slow there. Um, there is a question floating in the chat, but um, in regards to that, comment where they're using other means to contact you, especially scheduling. I know there was a 90 day window there. They had to implement something. Is there any board moving on forcing them to follow that language, so to say? Um, I think the recording was sooner than that. The OMS notification that was end of August, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but wasn't there the 90 day window to get the recorded line on? Mm. I don't remember. I'd have to look. I was just curious if there's any, because it seems to me that would be, you know, the way this place operates, that it, they would just um, continue to use scheduling and not have any recorded line. And we'll get to it when we get to it later. No, they, they committed there. Um, okay. Let me, I was just I'm, curious. I can't I'm remember. I'm going to bring up the, the letter over here real quick and, and just scroll through it. And yeah. See it's towards the end, right? So until such time, the company's implemented a recording system. Um, they're going to uh, basically what they're going to do is they're going to contact via crew scheduling was what the agreement was. That's so. right. So this is what you're referring to here. Um, so within 90 days of the signing of this letter of agreement, source data for training uh, scheduling related transactions governed by the agreement will be recorded and preserved for 120 days in the event a question or dispute arises relative to such data. Any member of the Association Scheduling Committee of the MEC or any representative of the association designated by the MEC with respect to a particular question or dispute shall be provided with the opportunity to review such data and upon request be provided with copies, right? What about um, the one above it, F? Yeah. So within 90 days of the signing of the letter, the company shall implement and maintain a recording system in accordance with Section 25R1 that addresses the security and use of all recordings that have been made of conversations, telephonic and radio, originating from and received by training schedulers. All communication between training scheduling and pilots will conform with the requirements of 25R. Um And then we got the other 90-day one down here. 90 days after the date of the signing of the settlement, or whichever sooner the company may contact pilots in training via telephone to inform them of changes to their schedule. Notification of such changes will require that the pilot OMS acknowledge such changes to their OMS published schedule. So um, 
90 days. I think this thing signed like back in April, right? Uh, yeah, it was. And the other issue you have, right, all communication, right, will conform with requirements of 25R. 25R is crew scheduling recording. Right. That's right. And that's yep. what, that's for that that's where that crew scheduling recording piece hangs. It's right there, which is what they agreed to do. They're right. gonna basically do it on recorded lines using crew scheduling. Yeah. So yeah, so they should have been doing everything from day one, basically through crew scheduling. And then within 90 days, right, they have to have some sort of it, it's truly a matter of them getting Vonage accounts set up for um you know, on the lines um, of the training schedulers, so which allow give them the ability to record. Yeah. In any case, yes. I think this was back in March or April timeline that this thing was signed, and you know, April, May, June, yeah, we're we're well past ninety day mark, anyways. Yeah, March seventeenth, St. Patrick's Day. There you go. So, yeah. Um, Despite agreeing to and really truly asking for uh, a bunch of rules in order to make their throughput efficient, right? They have failed to take action on them, uh, even though they know that's the fastest way through. Um, it's really disappointing, right? And uh, it it needs to get fixed. Uh, it's the it's the start of stabilizing training is right here, right? And um, it's in a bad way. It needs some uh, stabilization, and this is one of the ways that it'll get there. All right. Uh, anyone else? Questions, comments, anything at all? All right. Uh, with that, I think uh, we can probably close up the call. Next Tuesday, we'll do uh, PBS and vacation um, and some briefs on that. And, uh, yeah, Doug, go ahead. Hey, William, just had a question. Is there any protection in this settlement in place if I can't be in position inside the five days? No. Mm -hmm. No, I think the the thinking there, right, and truly under almost all uh, contracts, you're pretty much owned by the training department the entire time you're in, you know, um, initial qualification training. And this settlement I think goes beyond where most contracts are there by providing, you know, that five day rolling window. Um, but yeah, no, not so much. All right. Anything else? All right. With that, I think we'll close up the call. Thanks for joining. Uh, do help get uh, news out to the new hires as to how they're supposed to be scheduled. If they aren't scheduled correctly and in lines with the settlement, uh, urge them to file a DART or pilot issue form. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks.